0: Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. Today we're talking about rejoicing. You might have caught on to that through some of the music, like from the first song to the last song. And uh, we're going to be looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to look at a few verses there. And and I want to start out by reading that, that the thanks and gratitude that we have as followers of Christ should stand out in the world. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Rejoice. How often? Always. Always. Pray without ceasing. In how much give thanks? Everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts, encourage us, convict us, strengthen us, equip us through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So our, our thanks and our gratitude should, should stand out, should stand above. And so I have some illustrations of things that stand out and stand above. Um, one is Mount Rainier. Uh, and this lives really close to where Justin and Courtney live. And uh, we were up there recently, and Justin and I hiked around near it, and they hiked around near it. But uh, we didn't actually go up to the top of it. Uh, But Mount Rainier stands out. Why? Because it's so much taller than the hills around it. And then believers should stand out from other people and be more grateful and have more gratitude. You should stand out like the Burj Khalifa building in uh, Dubai. That building is 2,770 feet tall tall, 717 feet tall, sorry. It's more than twice the size of the Empire State Building, just stacking them up, and it has 163 floors, and as you can see, it's a little bit taller than the cityscape around it. It really stands out, and then there's a man in Turkey named Sultan Kozen. He is the tallest person in the world right now. Uh, There's two pictures here. One picture shows him uh, walking with a guy, an Iranian man named Afshin. I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, And so uh, Sultan is six feet taller than the guy he's walking with. But he's even way taller than the average man in his culture. Uh, So we have a descriptive word that designates things that are higher than what's around it. And that word is altitudinous, altitudinous. It stands out by being higher. And so I was thinking that maybe we could morph a new word for, you know, Christians should be uh, rejoice and give thanks more than other people. And and more than anyone on the planet, we have reason to give thanks. And so uh, we should create a new word that would describe the gratitude level that we should have, the thankfulness that believers should have. And so here's a new word. What do you think of it? Gratitudinous gratitude in us that's how you should be people should be able to look at a believer and say that person is a thankful, kind gracious person they should be able to see it in us they should be able to uh, witness it and, and not just think there's grumpy, fussy Christians are there grumpy, fussy Christians out there? yes they shouldn't be Christians should not be grumpy, fussy people. We should be gratitudinous. Now, Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Thessalonica, and their life was so good, it was amazing. I mean, everything went good. Every day they got up, it was better than yesterday. Every week was better than the week before. Every month better. Every year better. Uh, That's not really what was going on in Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a, a major city, and uh, in the Roman consulate, they, they put Thessalonica as the capital city of that region, and uh, they were perse- the believers in Thessalonica were being persecuted from two sides. The Jewish believers who rejected Jesus as the Messiah, they were persecuting the true believers. They were fussing at followers of Jesus, uh, you could lose your job. You could lose your house if you followed Jesus. There was there were serious problems, and then the Greeks were fussing at the believers uh, because the Greeks wanted wisdom and they didn't think following a persecuted Messiah was a sign of wisdom. And so the, the Jewish people who did not follow Jesus and the Greek people or Gentile people who did not follow Jesus, they both turned against the believers. So they were getting it from both sides. They were getting harassed. They were suffering some persecution. Uh, They were facing some financial and emotional hardships. Um, So they were persecuted in a way that so far in the United States, most of us have never faced that persecution. They were facing it every day. They also had some false teachers showing up. That's part of the reason why Paul wrote this letter, to correct some of the false teaching. And some of the false teachers were saying, hey, you know, you missed the rapture. You didn't get to go to heaven. You missed out. And So the believers were a little confused. Wait a minute. That's not what Paul said and these guys came and faked being from Paul And so there were false teachers that were discouraging them and they were discouraged by the difficulty of their daily lives Um, We have uh, a really packed fridge and a really packed pantry right now because we have guests in. Uh, normally, our fridge is not so full and our pantry's not so full, but we stocked it all up because Benjamin was coming and, you know, <laughs> and Justin was coming, so we stocked up for them. Uh, but, but the truth is, you know, we in America, for most Americans, there are some Americans that are starving, but most Americans – When we pray, we don't thank God for our daily food the way they did back in this culture in that day in Thessalonica. They didn't know what food they would have tomorrow. As a parent, I cannot imagine not knowing whether I could feed my kids or not. But that's the way some people live even today. In Thessalonica, it was really rough. It was really challenging. And so they were discouraged by the difficulty of their daily lives. They were harassed by those who didn't believe the way that they believed. They were oppressed by some government leaders, and they were disheartened by false teaching. And so Paul, writing this letter to encourage them and challenge them and strengthen their faith, he comes to the closing part of the book, and he gives them this like summation almost Rejoice! Always! Now, that's like walking up to the person who just lost the race and saying, Rejoice! Or the soloist who was going to sing and hopefully encourage people and, and their voice, and as they got up to sing, their voice went out. And you just say, Rejoice! Or somebody gets in a bad car accident and they pull them out of the car, they're on a gurney, and they're getting shoved into an ambulance, and the doctor leans over them and says, rejoice, always. See, we don't think that way. When we go through hard times, it's hard for us to rejoice. Some days, it's really easy to rejoice. Some days, it's a challenge, to be honest with you. When our kids were born, I rejoiced faster than Kathy did. And those of you who have delivered a baby, you totally understand why. In fact, when Jessica was born, I was so fired up. I was so excited. I got to help deliver Jessica because it was kind of an emergency thing, and we even had an EMT in training in there. And we, it, it was a, a kind, And I, I was so excited. I came walking into the recovery room because I had delivered Jessica, and I got to go weigh her and measure, and I come into the recovery room to give the baby to mama, and I'm so wildly excited. I said, man, this is so great. I can't wait till we do it again. <laughs> Kathy has never ever ever said it again, but she looked at me in that moment and said shut up (laughs) So we we need to rejoice Is it easy? Not always is it essential? always always now We need to live Gratitudinously, right? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In the English language, you put the adjective before the noun. So you have like the green tree. Yeah, there we go. The green tree. But in Spanish, you put the adjective after the noun. So you have the palo verde, or the stick or tree green. You put the noun and then the adjective and and in English you put the adjective before the noun and so Greek is structured a little bit differently. Greek doesn't worry about whether it's a verb or a noun or an adjective or an adverb. Or uh, What's put at the beginning is the thing that's the most important. And Paul was writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica. He was writing in Greek and the order of the words were determined by what was more important. So in the Greek, Paul wrote, always rejoice and Constantly pray and in everything give thanks. So pay attention to this part. By emphasizing the frequency of what they should do, Paul was describing not merely an action to do, but a lifestyle to pursue. See, this is something we should do in our days, in our lives. As we're moving through life, we should be thinking like this. We should be practicing this. Always rejoice. Now, to be honest with you, um, that's hard for me when driving a car and all those other drivers are idiots. And, you know, and I'm driving down the road and, and uh, you know, and occasionally people do really dumb things out on the road. And, and it really bugs me. When somebody doesn't go when the lights green and they just wait and wait and wait and then as the light turns yellow they go through and I'm stuck and I have to wait just because they didn't drive and I have a harder time rejoicing and giving thanks and yet that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to praise God in the circumstances of our lives always rejoice Always rejoice, constantly pray. In everything, give thanks. In the process of your life, develop the habit and practice of putting these into your daily routines. So don't raise your hands, don't point at anybody, but many of you know somebody who's a little grumpy or a little fussy. In fact, probably everybody knows somebody who's a little fussy early in the morning, right? And so we, we have those issues that we have to deal with. But Paul's writing to this people who are really facing hardship and difficulty and challenges. And he's saying, rejoice, pray. Give thanks. We can develop this in our lives. So uh, you've maybe been taught or trained or read about how do you figure out something? How do you understand? When a reporter's trying to write the article, they focus on what? The who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, And they try and answer those questions. So I want you to just think of these three verses that we've looked at. And I want you to think about... These things, six things that we can answer. So the first is who? Well, now that includes you. Originally, the who was just the believers in Thessalonica. He was writing to them. But then eventually it included the Holy Spirit saved this. The Holy Spirit uh, preserved God's word for us. And now it includes all of us, every one of us. Who includes you? So when you're reading this, you don't think, well, man, I'm glad he wrote this to those people back there and I can still be grumpy pants today. No, you have to say, this also speaks to me because the same Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write this to those people is the Holy Spirit who preserved this so that we could look at it today, so that it could speak into our lives today. And to be honest with you, Kathy does a lot better job of being cheerful about life than I do. Does that mean she's more spiritual? She thinks so. No. (laughs) No, uh, some days I think so. The truth is, it's harder for some of us than it is for others. As you know, some people, they're they're very musical. Some people, they don't have any trouble with self-discipline. Some people are very athletic. Some people are just a little grumpier than other people. And it's not sinful to be grumpy, it's just sinful to behave grumpy. See, we need to get beyond, we all have what's called a sinful nature. And so we all have issues that we have to deal with. Some are a lot more evident than others. But if you struggle with being cheerful, then you need to work at it. A couple years ago, Megan challenged us to have a word of the year for our family. Uh, did everybody have a word of the year and then we would update each other on how it was going? And, and I, I, Kathy and I talked about what my word could be and we decided my word would be cheerful because I needed to work on that a little bit. And so if you've ever been in my study, I actually have a little sign that I made for that year and it's <laughs> cheerful. And, And I really, it's like Satan did not want me to make progress in this area. And I was really struggling. And after five or six months, I decided I was going to change my theme for the year. Instead of being cheerful, I was going to change it to don't murder anybody. (laughs) Hey, I did great the rest of the year. I had no problems, you know. But you are supposed to be cheerful. You are supposed to have gratitude for God for what you have. Your your gratitudinousness is supposed to stand out above the world. Anybody can fuss. I I can't remember who, who it was that said that. He said, any fool can fuss, and most fools do. So you, think about you. Put you in here uh rejoice always i could say terry rejoice always terry pray without ceasing terry in everything give thanks that's what we're supposed to be doing that's how we're supposed to think apply this to your life because the holy spirit reserved this or protected this preserve this for you who includes you what what do we need to be doing we need to be rejoicing what else do we need to be doing Praying and giving thanks. We need to be doing these things. We need to make it part of our DNA. We need to live gratitudinously. You didn't know that before you came here today, but now you know. You need to live gratitudinously. And then when do we need to do this? Always. Yeah, every day. All the time. Rejoice. Always pray without ceasing. We need to practice this every single day. See, this should be your lifestyle, not just an activity. The people that I know who've had the most profound prayer lives that have influenced me, those people that I know of, they're they're praying regularly, continually. You can just sense that they walk with the Holy Spirit of God you can sense that they have a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like prayer's an afterthought for them. They anticipate it. They think about it. That's their first line, where some other believers, they face a problem and they're trying to think through solutions, where the ones who have made this a practice of their life, the first thing they do is go to the Lord. The first place they go is they're praying. Before they talk to anybody else, they talk to the Lord. They talk to their Heavenly Father about it. And so every day we need to be working on this. Make it part of your lifestyle. And then who, what, when, and where should we do it? Everywhere. Everywhere. In everything. Everywhere. You do it in everything. Now, some days that's easy. It's really easy to rejoice when you get a raise. A little harder to rejoice when you lose your job. It's fun to rejoice when you get a new car and it has that new car smell. We have that one. We bought one new car. Most of our cars have been used cars, but... Uh, they have a smell of their own, but it's not as sweet as a new car <laughs> It's like new shoes smell great, but nobody wants to smell shoes that have been worn a whole bunch of times But in Everything now notice that word in everything it doesn't say for everything See, You don't need to be weird You don't need to say, I broke my left arm, praise the Lord, I'm glad I broke my arm. No, but in that, you could say, if you're right-handed, you could say, well, I'm really glad it was my left arm and not my right arm, because that would make life so much more challenging. Or you could say, well, I'm glad I only broke my arm, it didn't also break my neck. Or, well, yeah, I broke my arm, but I was saving the life of somebody else, and it was sure worth it. You in things give thanks. You can give thanks that here when you break an arm, there's medical help right away. Um, Kathy and I for years, we had a ministry opportunity to go to Cuba and uh, preach and she would teach the ladies and I would teach the men and she went a couple times and I went about a dozen times. And and, uh, the year before I went the first time, they had somebody in the group who'd gotten in a car accident and they broke their leg and they went to the hospital in Cuba, and the hospital had x ray equipment, but they didn't have any panels. They didn't have any film. So the only way they could look inside the leg was with a sonogram, because that didn't take special film that they didn't have access to. And, you know, it, I mean, healthcare is really expensive here, but at least we can get to it, right? You, you, I had a motorcycle accident quite a few years ago, and I was in urgent care, and they did x-rays, and they looked at things, and I was checked out right away, and we have access to stuff like that. So, in everything, give thanks. Everything, everywhere, every day. So, that's supposed to be the process of your life. Now, as I said, some days that's really hard. Why should we do it? Well, he even answers that for us. Look at the end of verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why do we do it? This is God's will for your life. This is what God wants to see in your life. God wants to see you being cheerful. God wants to see you being um, gratitudinous. God wants to see you endure the circumstances of life in a way that helps you become more like Christ. See, if you look at Romans eight twenty eight and 29... 28 says God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. But verse 29 says that the goal of God working all things together for good is that you would grow in your Christ-likeness, that you would become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So even this problem, even this difficulty, even this hardship is being used by God to accomplish something that's going to further my spiritual growth. I will move through this problem and come out stronger on the other side, more spiritually capable, resembling Jesus Christ a little bit more because of what I have gone through. So God's will is that we endure those circumstances with the understanding God's using this in my life. And I can, in everything, still give thanks. It's God's will that you be thankful for your blessings. Now, uh, nor often on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we sing, Count Your Blessings. And and, uh, we're going to actually do that next week. Because the last Sunday of the month, we actually share some blessings. So we're going to sing... Count your blessings while we share count your blessings and and just share some blessings with one another over the past month. But it's God's will that we be thankful people that in the middle of painful circumstances, in the middle of hardship and difficulty, we are still dearly loved, heaven-bound children of God. No matter what we face. No matter what we're going through, and we can give thanks. Now, a lot of years, a lot of you have so faced difficulty, uh, hardships. Uh, some of you have had to face uh, had uh, really bad bouts of uh, food poisoning. I've never actually had food poisoning, uh, but some of you have, and I've talked to friends who've had food poisoning, and several of them have said something similar. That It was awful. It was the sickest. I'd ever felt And and then eventually it got worse and I thought I was gonna die And then it got worse and I thought oh no, I'm gonna have to live through this (laughs) And dying and going to be with the Lord was looking really good in the middle of that see God allows us to go through hardships, allows us to go through difficulty, but he grows us in the process if we handle it right. If we are, see, we can resist that growth. We can resist it. We can fuss and complain and not gain any benefit from it, but we are still dearly loved, heaven-bound children of God. And in that, we can rejoice. We can rejoice that no matter how bad the pain gets in this life, pain in this life is temporary. In heaven, there'll be no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no sickness, no death. We will be through with it when we get there. So we can do it. Why? Because this is God's will for our life. And I want you to think about that this is God's will in two different ways. First is It's God's will that we be thankful people. And secondly, it's God's will that we go through this. See, as Satan himself testified in the book of Job, God had a hedge in front of Job and behind Job, and Satan could not get to Job. And so everything God allows in your life is something he's going to use to draw you closer to Jesus, to help mature you. Everything. God's not going to say oops sorry Ben didn't mean to let that one through that never happens That's not how our God works so This is God's will for your life that we be thankful and it's God's will that we endure this and go through this The good news is you never go through it alone He walks with you And then how do we do that? Well he says this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We do it in Christ. Uh, As mentioned last week and a lot of weeks over the last several months, we focused a series through the book of Ephesians and it was titled In Him, in Him, focusing on our relationship with Christ. When you focus on Jesus, then you live with the awareness of Him in your daily life. You can more easily have values that align with His own. So I've known people who uh, were substantially overweight and they made a focus, a change, and they changed their diet and restructured things and they made it, here's their goal and here's their target. And so when they were faced with foods they would have gravitated to before, they could say, no, I don't want that because I'm looking here Um, uh, financially. Uh, Some people are spendthrifts. They just go through money. They they love to buy and shop and and go into debt. And then I've known people who've gone through some financial training and financial planning and they said, okay, I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm going to make some changes in my life. And You know, for me, I used to only carry a $20 bill in my wallet. I wouldn't carry any other. If I had to spend cash somewhere, I would come home, give all the change and the receipt to Kathy and get a new 20 and put it back in my wallet. Because if I had two bucks, two dollar bills, they'd spend really easy. But to break a 20, I had to really think about that. And... And one of the tools that I learned in a a financial management class I had, once you have your values established, then then you no longer, well, yeah, you got a 20 in your wallet, but you don't want to spend it on just anything. You want to spend it on something that's going to move you toward your values. So when, when you have Christ at the forefront of your life, when you're thinking about him, gravitating toward him, Uh, thinking about Jesus Christ, then you can say no to all kinds of other stuff. We have people in this room who radically changed their plan of life when they started following Jesus Christ. They had a plan and a direction and then God redirected them. So uh, you can see God's hand in your life. As Paul said, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain, Philippians 1.21. You can focus on him and live for him and see his hand even in the difficulties of your life because although you face pain and difficulty in Christ, you never face them alone. You could pray, I wrote out a prayer, just thinking about if you're going through painful circumstances, you could say, God, I don't know why you're allowing this pain or these circumstances in my life, but I know that I can trust you to give me the grace and strength I need for life. Help me to be strong in Christ and in the power of his might, and help me to see the bigger picture of the awesome future you have for me as a result of this difficult time. See, many of the people in this room have had surgeries. Some people have had many surgeries. And when you go and have a surgery, it's not exciting to have somebody stab you with a knife and cut you open. Even if they're gonna do it robotically once they got those little holes cut, it's still an unpleasant process. But afterward, especially after all the physical therapy, but eventually you're grateful that you went through that. Why? Because you needed it. It was essential. For your health, well, everything you goes through, you go through, is essential for your spiritual health. God's using this, and sometimes it's it's a real hardship. You're away from family for months or longer. It's it's a heartache, and sometimes it's joyful and fun and exciting, and God takes all of it and puts it together and moves you in the direction that is the best direction for your life. Some years ago, I wasn't there. It was in the 1920s. Dan could remember it. (laughs) No, it was so long ago, Dan couldn't even remember it. He wasn't there. He was younger. Dan's younger than my dad. I just like to pick on him a little bit. This old preacher got up to preach, and he started to pray. And he said, oh, God, I don't like baking powder. I don't like baking soda. I don't like flour. But when my wife puts it all together and bakes those delicious biscuits, I love every part of it. And then he turned his prayer, talking about how what God allows in our lives, the good, the bad, the difficult, the challenging, the joyous, the rejoicing, all of it together, then we can rejoice in what God's doing in our lives. We can be gratitudinous people. That's your new word for the day. Remember that, Ella, there will be a quiz. Gratitudinous. We can be joyful people because we serve an awesome savior. Keep focusing on him, looking toward him, longing for him some glorious day. Maybe today, he'll call us home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your awesome love for us. We pray that we would walk with you in obedience and trust. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.